Today's episode of the NBA show is brought to you by Performa Sleep. Performa Sleep is the absolute best mattress designed specifically for those with an active lifestyle. The Performa Sleep mattress gives you an edge as you wake up every day, whether you're headed to the basketball court or the boardroom, the gym or the jungle, the rink or the runway. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, feel confident you can try Performa Sleep for 100 nights risk-free with free returns and no annoying salesperson lingering over you while you test it out. Mattresses start at just 5 525 and for just our listeners take $125 off plus free shipping just head over to performasleep.com and use the code NBA that's performasleep.com and code NBA Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me today is Ringer columnist Jonathan Charks. Hey, Jonathan, how you doing? Hey, man, how you doing? Good. So we have seen most NBA teams play at least one game so far. And the best part about the NBA season is, though they're going to play 81 more, we get to overreact to the first game. So we'll go through a lot of teams that we have already watched so far. On opening night, it was stunning to watch the Spurs uh, destroy the Warriors. You wrote about how the Warriors have 81 games to figure out their Achilles heel. And it kind of seemed like, I don't know, the takeaway was, for me, in some part, was, all right, uh, everybody talked about what the Warriors added, what they lost, and maybe not enough attention was paid to losing Andrew Bogut. Is that fair? I think so. I mean, it wasn't even so much losing Bogut as who, who they brought in to replace him. And everyone always talks about the lineup of death with Golden State and Draymond Green playing center and going small. But they would still play 20, 25 minutes a game with traditional centers, even in the playoffs. And they just added two guys in David West and Zaza Pachulia who really can't move anymore. And the Spurs just attacked them, exploited them all game long. Is it possible that that game was more about the Spurs than we gave it credit for? Because the topic, anything that includes Golden State, Golden State's always going to be the topic. Um, But what did it tell us about the Spurs? Well, it just seemed like they were playing much smaller and faster than they had maybe last year. Last year they had Tim Duncan, Boris Diaw, and West up front. They played two big men the entire game, and they really slowed the tempo. And in this one, when they were at their best, they were playing Dwayne Dedman, Jonathan Simmons. They are just playing much smaller, faster lineups. And they actually seem like the faster team against Golden State, which is really crazy to think about from where it was last season. I would say at least 80% of our audience right now typed in Jonathan Simmons to Wikipedia. Or maybe I'm overestimating just because I feel guilty. But I, I would love to see the Wikipedia numbers for how many people looked him up. Because as that game's going on, I'm like, who are you? And, and why are you so awesome? <laughs> yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. But when the playoffs came, Pop just decided not to play him at all. I'm not sure if it was just a young guy thing or what happened, but the Spurs really kind of, they went away from him in the end of the last season, but he's really the way the league is going. He's a, he's a smaller, faster player who can guard multiple positions. And it just feels like the Spurs are just finding these guys, creating him out of a laboratory and plugging him right in. There was a, was a first look at a revamped bench for Golden State. What was your biggest takeaway checking that out? Well, it just felt like a lot of the press about the Warriors coming into the season for their bench was their young guys. And it seemed like Steve Curry just didn't really want to play them very much. He stuck mm-hmm. with West, Verizhao, 
And he didn't really want to give guys like Kavon Looney much of a chance. And that's what I think I'm curious to watch over the next few months is how much Skurs sticks with his veterans and how much he goes with the younger players who are a huge portion of his bench right now. On opening night, the Cavs got their trophy, and then they just mangled the Knicks. Was that more about the Cavs or more about the Knicks? Well, it's hard to say after one game, but let's say it's more about both and come to conclusions really fast. I mean, yeah. I think if the, the Cavs, I always feel like at the start of the season, the teams with more continuity have a huge edge on teams that made a bunch of additions. And pretty much everybody in the Cavs knows who they are, knows their role on the team. They know what they're going to do. And they just look like they picked up right off from where they were four months ago. Whereas the Knicks are adding a bunch of new players and Rose obviously didn't practice much in the preseason. And they're still trying to figure out what makes sense for them. I feel like there's, there's some guys in that team who want to play triangle. And there's some guys like Rose who want to play more pick and roll. And the Knicks right now just don't know who they are whatsoever. Since we are going to overreact to uh, everything, do, do, is the Knicks, are, are they going to be able to fit together? Is that a fit with Rose and with Carmelo and Porzingis? It's going to be tough. If you like, just from watching them last season, I don't think many Bulls fans were like, man, Rose and Noah are the answers anymore. And those were their two main additions this offseason. And it just seemed like watching them play, you just kind of wanted to move KP to the five and Melo to the four right away. But they've got Noah out here. They've got Kyle O'Quinn out here. And the floor was just a lot, a lot smaller. And I wasn't really sure what these big men were adding to the team at, the, at that point. Well, let's be honest. Everybody wants to see Porzingis, and Porzingis you know, has a chance to become possibly a big-time star in the league, and that's what I wonder. I know, and again, all this stuff, listen, we're, we're saying the caveat is that we they played one game. But I do watch that and wonder, like, damn, man, is he going to be able to become a star playing with these guys? And I, I really don't know. Yeah, if you look around the league, all these, like, young seven-footers, kind of multidimensional guys like Turner, Anthony Davis, Carl Towns, but Porzingis of that group, he's the one who doesn't really get featured much on offense. And the Knicks have this whole other team that kind of doesn't need him. And yeah, yeah, like that's the exciting to watch the start of the season on these young players. And you don't want to watch a guy just kind of fade into the distance while Rose is holding the Rose shooting the ball 17 times a game. Noah's holding the ball, not doing much. It's like let's let's get to the young fun guys. Yep. Uh, Blazers beat the Jazz on opening night, and Lillard had a monster night. 39, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. Steve Kerr's pick for uh, MVP was outstanding. And then how about this? The leading scorer for the Jazz on opening night was the uh, the ever-young Joe Johnson. Any takeaways from uh, checking out the Blazers-Jazz? Yeah, that was a really interesting kind of like battle of styles. So you had Portland running pick and rolls and just Lillard going off screen and shooting threes right away. And then Utah, they have the size in the backcourt with Hood and Johnson, and they are pounding Lillard and McCollum in the post and just shooting over the top of them. So you really had two backcourts you couldn't guard each other whatsoever, and they just went back and forth over the course of the game. That was probably the best game I've seen so far in this early season. Does it say anything about Utah? Well, Utah is tough because they don't have Hayward right now. They don't have Favors right now. They don't have Burks. And they're giving yeah. a lot of minutes to guys like Shelvin Mack and Joe Ingles, who you don't think are going to be huge parts of the team this season. And you just hope this season isn't like last year where they lost so many games to injury. They never really found out what they could be. But I think everyone wants to see what they, a healthy Utah team could look like. 
All right, Sharks, those were the first three games. And not too terribly much to overreact with, except for the Warriors is the overreaction thing, right? Like, that's the superb one. The Cavs, we expect to be awesome. Really don't know on the Knicks. Both, you know, the Blazers and Utah look pretty good in their first time out. Nothing particularly to really overreact to. And then you had the... The Warriors game, which was I, – I still can't believe that happened. I really can't. I still can't – I can believe – I guess I could foresee them getting beat, but getting just demolished on their home floor was just I, – I believe in the uh, in the words of Bill Simmons, it's just weird. Yeah, I mean, there were sport books. I saw a line like at 81 games over under for the Warriors this year. So, I mean, I don't think anybody expected that. And it's fun, frankly. It's glad I'm glad it's something different to talk about. I'm glad it's not just the Warriors – going to starting the season 24 and 0 again i guess more fun this way to overreact did katie make the warriors worse i mean why not right we got a long season all right charts you wrote on, on the ringer.com there's a there's a, the roundup today uh this morning the shoot around where everybody kind of talked about a game that they focused on and you actually happened to focus on a game that i was at last night which is the grizzlies and the timberwolves um Really weird game because the Grizzlies were down like 16 to 1 and then 20 to 3, and it just looked like, oh no, they're without uh, Chandler Parsons, they're without Tony Allen, they're without Brandon Wright, like three of their top six guys, and worst nightmares realized when Andrew Harrison and James Ennis and these guys are, are announced the starting lineup. But the Grizzlies, uh, you know, same as it always was when the, when the game's on the line, uh, it's Mike Conley and it's Mark Gasol, and like when those two guys have been healthy and on the court together, the Grizzlies have won a boatload of games over the last several years, and like same as it ever was, last five, ten possessions, it's going to be those two guys, and they're either going to deliver or they're not, and they delivered last night. Yeah, I mean, you had Minnesota; they came out like on fire, yeah, twenty to three, and it was just like, oh my gosh, just the changing of the guard, we're watching it happen right in front of our eyes, but. And it was a little different this year. You had, I, to me, the big takeaway was Mark taking three threes. That was as many yep. three points as he took all last season, which is just insane. Fizdale has told him he wants him to shoot four a game. Mark Gasol to shoot four threes a game, and he shot three last night. Like, they're clearly just going to shoot. Th- everybody on the team is going to shoot threes. <laughs> I think people are going to watch the Grizzlies, and it's, it's going to be jarring for a little while because they don't play the slow-down, drag-you-into-the-mud style anymore. Yeah, now that was, that was Chandler Parsons, too. They're still pushing the pace and shooting threes. Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing on Minnesota. Let me just say this, because uh, they, they've got crazy athletes, and Thibodeau's going to teach them how to win. But I And I know it sounds like cliche all the time, the, you know, you got to learn how to win, but, like, you really do. And they still don't know what their go-to thing is, down the stretch. I mean, Vince Carter, who is the oldest player in the league, was locking down Andrew Wiggins for like the entire fourth quarter. Um, you know, one of the biggest shots of the game, they took a Towns three. Uh, Levine, you know, sometimes just decides he's going to take over. Like they, they still really don't have their pecking order figured out. Whereas, like I told you, every possession down the stretch, the Grizzlies are just going to run Mike Conley and Marcus Hall pick and rolls. And something's coming out of it. Whereas Minnesota, as they don't really know what they're doing down the stretch yet. And I know people have really high expectations. Um, but that's the kind of thing that has to get figured out because you play a ton of close games. Yeah, I mean, I remember one thing I saw, and they were talking about Chris Dunn, the Wolves' new rookie. And they were saying, oh, well, he's actually like the fourth oldest player on the team. They still have so many young guys. And I think yeah. everybody looks at Towns, 
they see how polished he is and they kind of project forward on that. But Wiggins, Levine, Rubio, Gorgie Jang, Shabazz Muhammad, they're all still kind of figuring out who they are in the league. Well, even not Rubio, but Dunn. And they have just so many young guys. And maybe it's going to take one or two years. I wouldn't surprise me at all. Like we're, we, all, we always like to jump the, jump the gun, these people. We never want to have many patience for a young team. The other thing is towns spend a lot of time outside the three-point line. That kind of surprised me. You know, he he's he's out he's out pretty far away from the basket, and he's a guy that can really like you know you don't want to fall into that all the time because he is he's a pretty dominant inside presence when he wants to be too. I mean, I like the whole face up game and everything, um, and he's outstanding, and he can really and he can even take guys off the dribble. But he spends a lot of time on the perimeter, that's for sure. Um, Heat Magic, Hassan Whiteside, leading scorer for the Heat. What are the chances Hassan Whiteside leads the Heat in scoring? Well, it's going to be him or Dragic. It's just, it's weird to watch this Heat team now. There's so many new faces. Like, you've never even, they got like Rodney Magruder playing minutes, James Johnson, Wayne. I mean, it's just a it really different new team now than it was over the last few seasons. It's just Hassan Whiteside's team. There's really no one else there anymore. It's kind of, it's kind of weird How to watch this. Did you ever in a million years imagine you would ever say that phrase, it's just Hassan Whiteside's team? Yeah, it happened really fast. Like Wade, <laughs> came with Wade and Bosch. Now it's just, it's just, Deion Ware's just playing 34 minutes. I mean, it's a whole brand new bunch in Miami. It'll be interesting to watch them figure out who they are as a team beyond give Hassan the ball. Speaking of who they are, Frank Vogel's team, that Orlando team, like the roster, I don't know, you look at it, it doesn't really make sense. In game one, it did not make all that much sense, right? Yeah, they, they, the question is going to be, can they play Gordon and Peyton and a traditional big man? Is there going to be enough space on the floor? And are they going to be a defensive team? Or who, are they trying to win now or develop these young players? It's just they've really they've kind of caught themselves in the middle, and they have to figure out, I mean, kind of what we've been saying, they have to, like, vote us to figure out who they are pretty fast. They didn't have Biombo. I don't know how much that's going to affect it, and whether starting him and Vucevic kind of changes what their team looks like. Mavericks and the Pacers played they for their first game, and they played against each other, and the game went to overtime. And, uh, you know, we talk about all these great young players in the league. Miles Turner usually doesn't get brought up, but, like, he is after first game, right, because he dropped 30 and 16 in night number one. Uh, how much of that is about Miles Turner? How much of that is maybe there's some real inside weakness at, uh, at Dallas? Well, that game was pretty crazy. The Mavs decided to play Dirk Nowitzki at the five a ton. They weren't scoring enough points. They got back in the game going super small. So they're playing Dirk at the five, and they're playing Darren Williams, Berea, Seth Curry lineups. So they're going to give up a lot of points playing like that. And yet Indiana, too, is the same way. So they have Miles Turner at the five, and then a bunch of smaller guys around him. And it just seems like the Pacers are going to – they're changing a lot. They're going away from they, – they fired – they let go of Vogel, and they're just going to emphasize Turner and play really small – and the question is for both those teams, are they going to be decent enough on defense to make to like survive their because like they can score a lot of points, they're gonna guard anybody. And Turner's gonna score a lot of points as the big man inside, but can he hold the defense down with guys like Monte and Jeff Teague on the perimeter? Not much help around him at the front up front either. It looks like they nailed that Turner pick for the draft, though. Oh yeah, I mean it's crazy because they don't get high the picks. They don't get high picks, right? Indiana's been so good for so long. They don't get high picks, 
and I mean, this might have been another, I don't want to say Paul George, but like, you know, you get that middle of the first round kind of stuff. And I don't know, this kid looks fantastic, Miles Turner. Yeah, like for all the stuff about tanking and whatnot, if you can draft really well and you stay where you are, yeah, the Pacers got Paul George and Miles Turner. And even that old team, they found Lance Stevenson in the second round, Roy Hibbert at the, end, the middle of the first round. And there are still good players falling in the draft. And if you just if you stay where you are and you know what you're doing, you can kind of rebuild your team from anywhere. You don't have to be a high, necessarily have a high draft pick. Why uh, should I be surprised that the Celtics played a close game against the Nets? Because I will say, when I pulled up that the game log, I was like, "Wait, why was that? Why was that one twenty two to one seventeen? And and who is Justin Hamilton? And why is he leading Brooklyn in scoring?" Yeah, I didn't get to watch any of that game, but that is a weird box score. Brooke Lopez played only played twenty one minutes and had seven points, and the Nets still score one hundred seventeen points. Like that, that Nets team is going to be maybe the weirdest team in the league this year. I mean, who knows what they're trying to do with this roster at this point? I guess just buy time until they get some young guys in there, but it's just all over the map. Well, and and like what is and and their mode of operation to get young guys is is still pretty shot. Like they have the they, like they're still giving up picks to this day. Yeah. Like so like they don't have the. That's the crazy thing about the Nets. They're the horrible team that like isn't incentivized to tank. Yeah, it's just hard to have much reason to watch the Nets. There's so many interesting young teams out there. And they have the Nets. I mean, like, Jeremy Lin is fine, but why would you want to watch them on a nightly basis? You have Bogdan Bajanovic taking 17 shots a game. It's just hard for me to see. I guess I have to watch all 30 teams, but that's the one team I really have no, not too much desire to watch much this season. Raptors beat the Pistons, and uh, one of the big performers – was DeRozan, uh, obviously. He dropped 40 in the first game. He had 20, I mean, it's 27 shots. And he's got that, he's got the rare thing going where he can drop 40 and he didn't hit a three. Like that almost, that almost never happens with perimeter guys anymore. Uh, but there it was. Same as it ever was for, uh, DeRozan last night. And that was a, that was pretty emphatic, right? To, uh, to, to win almost by 20 points against the Pistons in night number one. Yeah, you know, with DeMar, he's going to get his shots up. He doesn't take a lot of threes, but he takes a lot of shots. And, you know, you give a guy 27 shots a game, he'll score a lot eventually. Just on the more shots to go up, the more they go in, right? Where are you at on DeRozan? I don't know. I mean, if you look at last year's playoff run, for as, as far as they got, he had so many games where he just held the ball, didn't get right, just, just took shots constantly. I mean, it's great what he does. I don't know about him. I'm I th- I'm probably lower on him than most people, just because I feel like he just takes a lot of shots, and that's that's fifty percent of the battle right there for scoring a lot of points. And he doesn't really do much. Well, hey, the other one, night. the other one, it kind of overshadows because everybody's going to talk about DeRozan's uh, forty. I do want to mention since we're overreacting to everything that we've seen just so far. How about Valanciunas with the thirty-two and eleven? I think everybody's kind of waited to it's like. Is there going to be a Valanchunas breakout? Is it possible? Like, is he what he is? Because it seems like every year it's like, oh, this is the year he takes the big leap forward. Is there a big leap forward that Valanchunas can or possibly will take? Or was that just like one awesome night on opening night? Well, I mean, things I remember about Jonas, he's only 24. He's yeah. been in the league six years, but he's still like the Mavs have a rookie center, A.J. Hammonds, who's about the same age as Jonas. He's just played in yeah. the NBA for so long. We kind of think, oh, well, he is who he is. But 
there's still a lot of time for him. And I think for him, it's just, is he going to get the ball? Cause you've got, obviously you got DeRozan. Larry didn't shoot much. It's, will this team allow him to make it play a bigger role? I think that is probably the biggest question for him is, will he be featured? Will they find a way to get him the ball cons- consistently? Cause yeah, if you're a big man, you play 30 minutes a night and you get like eight shots. There's only so good you're going to look no matter how talented you actually are. Yeah, the other thing is on the Pistons side, uh, they were way worse without Reggie Jackson last year, and it, it looks like they're, they're just going to have to tread water until they get him back. Yeah, like Ish Smith as your primary option on offense running the ball, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to win games that way. The guy I want to see yeah, more they than need... Stanley Johnson if, they're, if, if Reggie's going to be out for a while. Well, they need the points. You can't just take the points away, you know? <laughs> I mean, Reggie Jackson's the kind of guy they were counting on like every night to get him almost 20 points. And yeah, for for whatever Ish Smith does, it ain't score, right? That's not that's not his deal. Yeah, he's played on like eight teams in ten years, and so if he's just going to be your main guy, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to win games like that. And there, that's a team in that middle of the East. The gaps are so small that one injury can just change your whole season. And they have to hope he's not out too long because yeah, there's not there's just not much separation right there from those seven or eight teams fighting for a playoff spot. Loved seeing the monster first night out of Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, you know, this kid has been through it the first couple of years of his career, but 23-14 gets a steal, uh, in the game. And so, you know, we keep on losing, uh, this guy to injuries, but at least for, for one night, uh, instant review on Kid Gilchrist was not only is he back, uh, the, the big first game, like that jumps off the box score for sure. Yeah. I. He's still not shooting threes, but he just has to make things happen. That's always kind of been his game, is just getting in the mix, creating turnovers, just getting – he had 14 rebounds, like just attacking right. the glass. That's probably, I think, maybe a little bit focus on what you can do well and ignore the things you can't. So maybe like if he's never become a three-point shooter, play him in more space and let him do what he does best. Of course, it helped playing the Bucks, who they're really trying to figure out what they're going to be about this season. They have a lot of questions. What about Monroe being a bench player? Well, I, th- I think that's that's just who he is now. You look around the league, you have Greg Monroe, Al Jefferson, Enos Cantor, all those Z-Bow. kind of yeah, all those kind of big guys who post up and don't move their feet. The way the league is moving, it's just hard. Julie Okafor too. It's just hard to feature them anymore as starters unless you're going to give them the ball constantly. And then is it going to be worth the trade off with their defense? And it just seems like across the league, the bigger, slower post player is now a second option, second unit guy. It's just weird because, like, their you know their starting lineup is uh, Dalavadova, Plumley, Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, Greek freak. I'll just call him that. Jabari, and then Miro Toledovic. I mean, that is that's not that fun. I mean, Greek freak's really fun, and he had a really big night. But other than that, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's just <laughs> tough without Middleton because he was such a big. Yep. He was actually their most their best player by net rating last season. And without him out there, they're either playing really slow guys who shoot or athletic guys who can't. So either their offense or their defense is really suffering. And they just got to figure out maybe which side of the floor to emphasize because they probably don't have enough two-way players to be decent at both. Take a quick break, and me and Charks are going to talk about the rest of the teams that we have seen one time and leads us to possible overreactions. 
It's officially basketball season, so it's time to ask yourself a crucial question. Where will you be watching the games? Parked on a stool at a crusty sports bar? Pass. Crammed onto a friend's couch? Meh. You can do better with Sling TV. Watch NBA basketball on your terms and your turf. The Sling Orange service has live hoops you love on ESPN and TNT, as well as shows, sports, news, and more on the top networks, all for just 20 bucks a month. Get instant access to must-see games, expert commentary and analysis, the best of live TV, all for one low monthly price. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and easy online cancellation. Start watching for seven days free at sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Restrictions apply. The Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Indochino. Every man looks better in a suit. So why get one of those generic off-the-rack ones? Try Indochino. It's one of the largest made-to-measure menswear brands. Let them help you find a great-fitting, high-quality suits and shirts at an incredible price. Here's how it works. Visit Indochino.com or drop by one of their nine North American showrooms. Pick from hundreds of fabrics and patterns. Choose customization, submit your body measurements, then kick back, relax, and get ready for the best, most stylish suit you've ever worn in just four weeks. This week, my listeners get any premium Indochino suit for just three eighty nine at Indochino.com as long as you enter NBA at the checkout. That's fifty percent off the regular price for made to measure premium suits. Shipping is free and your satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. That's Indochino.com, promo code NBA. You'll never have to worry about badly fitting suits or expensive trips to the tailor again. Get ready to look like a million bucks. All right, Charks. Anthony Davis. I I love Anthony Davis so much for this because I, I, I honestly don't even care that they lost. But in the first podcast we did this year, we gave predictions for this year. And I said, while everybody's in love with Towns and all these other young players in the NBA, the best young player in the NBA is still Anthony Davis. And, boy, did he reward me. Now, his team stinks and they lost, but 50 points, 16 rebounds, 7 steals, 5 assists, 4 blocks. How on earth can you lose a game when a guy has that kind of a night? It seems impossible to me. Yeah, New Orleans, they're starting in a hole again. It just seems like without with Drew Holiday being out indefinitely, there's just so few guys who can do anything on offense besides Davis. Like he's going to put up huge stats if he can stay healthy because there's just no other options. As It's crazy to say it, but they they need Lance Stevenson. Like they're going to have to depend on him a lot for a while, at least till Holiday gets back. Well, and I'll also say uh... – not a lot of while I do pat myself on the back for the Davis prediction. Uh, not a not a great debut for my buddy uh, Buddy Heald, who you know I, I was expecting him right like to be able to knock down some shots and get out there. And again, it's a first game. He only played seventeen minutes, but he's two of eight with the four points. Um, yeah, I mean, you look around like, all right, who else is going to score? And I guess when you when you see. You know, I guess the answer to my original question, which is like, how, did, how does Anthony Davis have a night like that and a loss? I guess it's because, you know, your starting lineup is Etwan Moore, Tim Frazier, Omar Asich, and Solomon Hill. So who the hell are you expecting to score, right? Yeah, and it was with Buddy, It's he's a guy, he's kind of a shooter right now at this point of his career. He just needs guys to create shots for him. And there really isn't anyone they can count on offense right now besides Davis. So it's just... 
maybe the the, the, the game plan is going to be let Anthony Davis eat, make everybody else beat you. And game one, that worked for well for the Nuggets. I think, yeah, Davis had 50 points. The rest team had 52 points. So that's going to be tough to live that way. Uh, I will tell you, I uh, I lived through a season last year where the same phrase that you used earlier um, was used, which is you're going to have to count on Lance Stevenson a lot, and that's a that's a, that's a tough deal, Jonathan. <laughs> and he had some moments in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, well, then they lost 17 of their last 19 games, and everybody forgets that. The moments were when Mario Chalmers was still before he blew out his Achilles. <laughs> It's a tough it's a it's a it's a tough life when you're going to the arena counting on you need you need Lance to really come through for you. Um but we'll see what what about the Nuggets? Anything to overreact with regarding the Nuggets? Uh, Yost Yusef Nurkic with the with the big opening night and uh everybody kind of likes this whole Nurkic Jokic thing that they got going on. So anything to overreact with with the Nuggets? Well, I guess to overreact on that, can they get both those guys going at the same time? Cuz they're both traditional centers. They have some in Jokic has some inside-outside game, but can they figure out a way to make both of them work consistently? Like, could they be like Zach and Mark? And can their team work with pounding two big guys inside? And that's probably the big question with Denver this year is whether that front-court pairing can work or whether they'll have to trade one of them, and I would assume it would be Nurkic at this point. And I think that's the biggest question. Or do you trade Farid? Do you just say, all right, Farid's going to go somewhere else. You could get something for Farid's a starter in the NBA. Come on. I don't like, know. I mean, start. they've been trying to him for a while, and it hasn't been getting much luck. You don't think Kenneth Farid could be a starter for, a, I mean, a boatload of teams, I would think. Well, you He's look not, at it, uh, he can't shoot, right? He's not going to to protect the rim. So it's hard to find a spot for a 6'8 guy who doesn't shoot, doesn't protect the rim, not a great post-up player. He just has to find a very narrow role where he's going to succeed. And he's been on the block for about two years, and he hasn't gotten much pullback from any teams. I must be higher on Kenneth Farid than uh, than other people are. I think that I think I think that's where I'm at on, on Farid because I uh, I don't know, man. I feel, I feel like I don't know. I feel I feel like uh, I would want to trade for him, but I'd probably be a terrible GM. So whatever. Uh, the big story out of the uh, Thunder game is Russell Westbrook almost getting a triple-double and a fan with the uh, double bird right to his face. And and then Embiid, right? The, I guess the instant reviews are on Embiid are tremendous. And then we've got the whole, yeah, this is about what we thought, which is it's going to be the Russell Westbrook show for Oklahoma City. Yeah, I think with Embiid, it's just, it's just fun to watch an exciting young player on Philadelphia right now. Like they're going to be right. bad again, but these last few years they've been bad, and there have been not many fun young players to watch, and that's really the worst of both worlds. And there's just nothing going on. So even if Embiid took 16 shots, and that's fine, 16 shots in 22 minutes, I appreciate that more than anything. If you haven't played in two years and you're taking one shot a minute, you got the right idea about this season. Like let's just get some stats up, man. <laughs> six of 16 and he's he also hits his free throws you know this is the thing with him and with towns is that they're good free throw shooters you know some of these guys that are big time uh offensive rebounders or guys that uh can play down on the block like a like a drummond or a uh or or a, or a deandre jordan you know if you're having trouble dealing with them you just foul the crap out of them Whereas you can't do that with Embiid and you can't do that with Towns. Like it's a mis- like those guys shoot a higher percentage from the free throw. Like you're giving them points because these guys can knock it down. They both 
they both shoot the ball really, really well, and they look good doing it. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Miles Turner to bring it back to there. There's just this whole new breed of big men coming in the league. you got these seven-footers who can play in the perimeter and shoot, and the league's kind of going away against traditional big men. And it seems like that's really the next – maybe that's the big story for this regular season is these next great – these young big men are bringing the league back, kind of finding the middle ground between playing bigger lineups and playing faster ones. Well, let's just play big, fast lineups then, and let's find a guy who can do that. Regarding Oak City, you surprised the bonus this kid was a starter? That is a little weird just because there's so little shooting and he wasn't a shooter in college. And because they right now they've got Westbrook, Oladipo, Roberson, Adams, Sabonis. There's not a single consistent three-point shooter in the mix there. So you would think they want to bring in maybe Ilyasova or Moro or, or Singler even, somebody who consistently stretch the floor. Because right now it's just pack the lane and dare them, dare them to beat you from the perimeter. You had Oladipo go four for 16. Maybe in worse, you had Roberson go 0 for 2. So that, that's mm-hmm. your – if Russ has the ball most of the game, he's got to have shooters around him. So Sabonis, it's definitely – it's an aggressive move by Oklahoma City, and it, I'm not sure whether that really makes sense to have that little shooting around Russ. Well, I talked about this on the last Ringer podcast, which is uh, the, the question regarding Oklahoma City is what kind of scorer is Oladipo? Right, because you know, just each and every night, like last night, you got to get to 103, and so, or you got to get to you know over 100 most nights, and so you're gonna get the 30 or close to 30 out of Russ, and then like every night, like where are you getting your points from? Even if Cantor's a 15 point per game guy, or maybe even a little more, you know, I feel like Oladipo's he's got to be a really good scorer for them, and at least for night one. I mean, they're in a barn burner versus the 76ers, and Oladipo was, he's, let's just say, uh, not a big-time scorer last night. But, again, it's one game, and he's, he took 16 shots in 26 minutes, so it wasn't for lack of trying. Yeah. They just got to figure out their rotation, and whether it's can they find a lineups that have shooting around Oladipo and Westbrook, and can they help each other out at all? It's going to be a weird team this season for Oklahoma City. It's so different. Like, they've had KD and Ibaka for, what, eight straight years? So everyone, it's brand new for everybody. Everyone's roles are totally different. And there's going to be a big adjustment period for everyone, I think, on that team. Anything to overreact to with uh, King's Suns? Man, the Suns looked pretty bad, that's for sure. Oof. I think that's the the Kings. Two 19-point quarters to start the season? Yeah, that's not what you want. You don't want two 19-point quarters to start the year. Yeah, there's just are what's their what's the plan in Phoenix? Are they just gonna go full rebuild with their young guys? Because if you're letting the Kings beat you by 25 points on opening night, that's not a great it's not a great start by any means. What about the Kings? Do we just do we just take away that? All right, that's not about the Kings. That's about how bad the Suns are gonna be. Well, I mean, Demarcus is still doing what he what he does. If if yeah. I guess, I mean. I think to me it's a little more about the Suns. That'd be what I'd worry about before I started focusing too much on the Kings. The Suns—they don't shoot very well. They got—they got a lot of—they got a lot of young guys, and they're not. There's no real defined roles for them. There's just a lot to figure out in Phoenix, and it's just been a downhill slope for the last three years. I goofed on the pod that I did with Kevin O'Connor that regarding the Suns, I was going to keep track of uh, there were these articles written about them giving each other high fives. Um, unfortunately, I was unable to watch last night's game, but I'm going to imagine that the whole tracking high fives thing didn't go all that well last night. 
<laughs> not a lot to high five each other about. Well, it's never a bad sign if that's the big preseason storyline. High five. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Rockets Lakers. Uh oh. Life without Kobe begins with a win. Now and and, and we got the, uh, Harden has the crazy night. Thirty four points, seventeen assists, eight rebounds. They put up 114, and they lose. So what do we make of Lakers-Rockets after one game? Well, it definitely feels like Houston's going to be a team to watch. Every game they're going to be in is going to be a shootout, it seems like. Because it's it's hard to stop the Rockets, and it looks like it's hard for them to stop anybody either. So it's just going to be night after night out of this, which is, I mean, that's fine. It's it's something fun to watch, that's for sure. 34-17, and that's cool. And eight rebounds, too. (laughs) You got Russ and Harden going back triple doubles every night, maybe. Uh, well, a good opening night for uh, for D'Angelo Russell. But how about can we overreact to Jordan Clarkson? Hey, eight for twelve shooting. I mean, he's going to come I in know. and get shots up. That's 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 great. I will tell you that two years ago he cooked the Grizzlies and they went in the locker room after and uh, and Zebo said, "Hey," uh, he said, uh, "Who was that kid on the Lakers?" Right. And somebody told him, uh, somebody told him it was Jordan Clarkson. He said, who? And he said, uh, we, he said, where was he drafted? And they told him, like, yeah, he was drafted in the second round. And Zebo said, who the hell's doing this draft? And they should let me draft. <laughs> and I was like, well, if you get the Zebo stamp of approval, you're probably a baller, man. <laughs> you should let me. So Zebo was petitioning to be a uh, general manager. But Jordan Clarkson with a huge first night with the tw- uh, who who to guess that twenty five points off the bench. All right, here's an overreaction. Is it possible the Lakers aren't going to suck? Well, they'll score a lot of points, but there's just not much defense on this team. So you wander over the course of the season. I'll say this: they'll be a lot more fun to watch. You got Ingram, Clarkson, um, D'Angelo. They're going to spread the floor. They're going to play that kind of Golden State spread the floor offense and just get up a lot of shots. They'll be fun to watch, but are they going to play enough defense? Who's the late game? Do they have the right guys in the late game scenario? I wouldn't. That's that's an overreact. I wouldn't go that far. I, I expect them to be a pretty bad team this season. All right. And, well, and on the Houston thing, honestly, when you're talking about all these shootouts, you're so right. You look at their roster with Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, James Harden. Those guys are going to play big minutes, right? Like, Ariza could probably get a stop for you. Capella every once in a while. Like, who is getting stopped? Like, who are you expecting to stop anybody? Like, Ariza? Corey Brewer? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, they just don't they, – they're not – I know their numbers in the preseason were good, but the, those are, you know, I don't want to say meaningless, but I, I couldn't really care less. Um, but, like, you look at, like, the guys are going to be throwing out there, uh, unbelievable offensive players that are, are absolutely going to be defensively challenged. So – I think every night you could see these type of scores with Rockets, as you were saying. Yeah, not having Patrick Beverly really hurts them. I think he had a he had a knee 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 issues out for about a month, and maybe they right. can get Mata Yunus back. That's kind of an underplayed storyline. He's still not signed to a contract. He was one of their better defensive seven footers. He's still he had that back issue last year. He hasn't played much in the last few seasons, and I think it was a weird thing they didn't sign his qualifying offer. They might want to bring him back at some point just to have somebody who can play a little defense okay here's the craziest all right so we have one night in the books okay i'm going to ask you right now and this is the ultimate of uh of overreactions to seeing one of 82 games the crazier statistical season 
Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Oof. I'm going to say Harden because he's got – it's all set up for him, I think, just to have this big, big season. He's got the shooting around him. He'll have the ball most of the game. Most of the game. You think Davis, for as bright as he played last night, he'll still need somebody to give him the ball on some nights. He doesn't really have. You feel like with Russ, they're going to pack the paint against some teams against Oklahoma City. But as Harden, he'll always have the open play when he goes around the screen. It will pass the three. He'll get to the lane. I expect him to have just absolutely monster numbers. Houston will be in shootouts all season long, high, high, high tempo games, close games. So they'll play big minutes. And D'Antoni always likes to play smaller, smaller rotations with like seven or eight guys. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see some. And he said he wanted Harden to average double assists this season, or I think he was in 15. He said at one point. So I'll say I'll say Harden right now for just the craziest stat line all season. He had 34 and 17 and eight rebounds, and he was one of seven from three last night. I mean, like, what's it going to be when you know? I mean, let's just say he might. Let's say he knocked down two more of those, right? If he just went three of seven, he'd had 40 and 17 and eight, 40, 17 and eight. I mean, that is just it's absurd, absurd, yeah. totally absurd. All right, so there's our first night. Uh, we've given you thoughts on every NBA team we have seen thus far, and there's uh, another slate of games tonight, as there will be every night going forward. Thanks for coming on today, Jonathan. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us on the NBA show, and appreciate everybody listening. You can follow Jonathan at Jonathan Charks, T-J-A-R-K-S, or you can read him at TheRinger.com. Thanks again to Sling TV. Remember, it's basketball season. And if you're watching the games anywhere but your house, you can do better. With Sling TV, watch NBA games on your terms and your turf. The Sling Orange service has hoops on ESPN and TNT, plus more live TV on top networks, all for 20 bucks a month. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees. Start watching for seven days free at sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Restrictions apply.